So, Patricia, we have a guest here with us, I was going to say, in studio, here in Nula's Bar and Restaurant in Jim Graney. We do indeed. Uh, local poets and very well known he is and, and uh, a great friend, Michael Durack. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Good morning, Patricia. And the brilliant thing is you found your way to us despite change of venue and one thing or another. my way <laughs> well to done. the trading post and was, that was diverted <laughs> skillfully. <laughs> and you're going to talk to us this morning about, my goodness, your third collection of poetry, which is called This Deluge of Words. That's right. Yeah. And what a prolific time you've been having recently. You've had lots of publications, Mike. I've noticed your progress in various journals and, you know, so it's wonderful. And uh, this particular uh, collection that you've written, tell us how it came to be. Well, it, it, it's, it's a long story and it's, it's a short story. Um, uh, in February of 2020, I was just about signing off on my previous collection, Flipsides. I uh, wasn't writing very much because I was concentrating on preparing it for publication. And then the pandemic kicked in. And uh, first of all, it put the publication on hold. I had to wait and do an online launch later on in the summer or autumn. And in the meantime, I started writing poems in response to the crisis. Uh, in the beginning, you know, maybe humorous poems and parodies and so on, and then more serious ones. And uh, around the same time, a number of Zoom uh, online gatherings were launched by people like Siobhan Potter in Limerick, Martin Vernon in Clare. And that put me in touch with a lot of poets from further afield, beyond uh, the local Midwest area and uh, a lot of poets from overseas from America and that kind of got me going again on uh, a whole new body of poems so I wrote an awful lot during the lockdowns and uh, right through into 2021 and I suppose by mid 2022 I probably had accumulated a body of work big enough to start thinking about a new collection and uh, that's it I kind of uh, kind of wrapped that up then maybe last Coming up to Christmas, I was more or less preparing this collection for publication. So COVID was a very fruitful time for your writing from the sound of things. And indeed, I remember, because I was involved in a little bit in a few of them myself, those poetry platforms were a great idea, weren't they, to give yeah, you an opportunity? Yeah, to yeah, they, they were amazing. You know, it, it, it opened my eyes to, you know, the, the bigger poetry world, I suppose, you know. And uh, one of the benefits as well was that I, through contact with, especially with American poets, I was introduced to forms, poetic forms, that I hadn't been familiar with. Mm-hmm. And there was a form called the Guzzle, G-H-A-Z-A-L, <laughs> which originated in the Arabic world. And uh, You better explain that to us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah actually, I, mean, I, might, I might even read, read a, a, short, a short one. Uh, it, it originated in the Arabic world, and um, it's used to be popular, obviously, among some poets, and American poets that I know anyway, in, in the East Coast, in Maryland. And... and uh, it has a fairly straightforward pattern uh, written in couplets. Uh, each couplet ends with a kind of recurring phrase. That's the, the key. The key is this recurring phrase. And in the last couplet, the poet is expected to identify him or herself by some shape or form, by name or nickname or whatever. And uh, 
the couplets don't have to rhyme, but the, the poem I wrote actually in that form uh, has a rhyming pattern. So if you, if you want, I, I could. Please do. I, yeah, that would be great. I, I can read it if I can, if I can locate it. So it's it the gospel. I'm not sure that I've taken that spelling even in, so <laughs> it would be lovely to hear the poem. Uh, so, um, good, I can't. Well, yes, yeah, it's 61, yeah, yeah. This one is called, uh, it's called Black Dress. It's a love poem, and uh, I'll, soon, I'll soon get to it, yeah. It was 72 or 73, perhaps, you wore a black dress. My suit was tawny grey, and you serene in that black dress. A parish dinner dance, calling for some finesse. You might have stepped from a limousine in that black dress. Snapped by a camera's flesh bulb for the local press. You were beautiful, I was lean, you in that black dress. It was short with crimson buttons. In its caress you looked every inch a movie star in that black dress. So, a regular Mike and Mary, photogenic more or less. Me, scrubbed up to the nines, you pristine in that black dress. Oh, that's really lovely. Beautiful, beautiful. Really yeah. lovely. Yeah. And uh, you, certainly I can see that black dress. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I get the, the idea of the rhythm there coming in yeah, the, yeah. and the theme recurring. It's something that you really do very well in your poetry. I've noticed before when you use another form that I think has this a similar idea in it, the villanelle. And I, I'm that's, not a, that's right, an expert yeah. on the yeah. form by <laughs> any means, but it's always something struck me very much about yeah. your poetry. I, don't know, I, I suppose the most famous villanelle is "Do not go gently, gentle into that good night," isn't mm. it? And, and the one, uh, one we talked about earlier, uh, Derek Mann's "Antarctica," the one I'm ju- I was just I'm just going outside and maybe some time. And I, I love the villanelle because the the repetitions are kind of mesmeric, you know. The, the, uh, and I think for a for a, a live reading. You know, the, the fact that the audience is hearing these lines, the first and third lines keep on recurring. And as well as that, then you have this very tight rhyming scheme. There are only two rhymes, you know, the, the odd lines all rhyme and the even lines. So it's very satisfactory. And then at the, at the end, the two recurring lines are repeated again. So it, it gives a lovely bit of closure to it. I'm so. going to jump this on you now. Would you have a villanelle in your new collection that you I would have, share I have, with us? I have a few, uh, actually, and... Uh, and if I can find this is one of my one of my favourite ones actually from the collection is based on two of my all time favourite movies and uh, Casablanca and Dr Zhivago I have an idea of where it is in the book but I can't my goodness yeah, got, you're, you're got, a romantic you know that you it. really <laughs> are a romantic fair play to you so um, so I wrote this poem based on on those uh, two movies and you'll probably pick up on the, uh, the, the recurring or the, the rep- repetitive lines. It's called Paris or Verikino. They'd always have Paris or Verikino, Lara and Zhivago or Ilsa and Rick. Up on the big screen, we down below in the darkened parterre, the warm glow of compromised love washing over us from exotic, remembered Paris or Verikino. Mind topping from Moscow to Morocco, an ecstasy of escapism from the humdrum domestic to the big screen from our seats down below. For Bergman, Bogart, Christie, Sharif and Co, 
had little in common with the Kathleen and Mick. They'd always have Paris or Varicino, while we had Ballybunion, Salt Hill or Sligo. But hold on a minute, here's the trick. Between the big screen and down below is merely a matter of scale. Picture show and reality trade on the same emotions. The magic of love means we'll all have Paris or Varicino, whether up on the big screen or here down below. Oh, thank you, Michael. <laughs> really um, enjoyed that very much. I'm sure oh, you it's, did, Tom. Yeah, it's bringing smiles to our faces, you know. Uh, you can paint a picture with those words. Well, I suppose that's what we're supposed to do as poets. <laughs> paint, paint pictures. It's very interesting, you know, Paris or Verricano, because your poetry, one of the things that I think makes it so memorable and for me as someone who came to Killaloo from a completely different place and settled into it eventually uh, your connection with your own home place is a very important part of your writing and uh, I know that you had certain reservations about let's say the building of the motorway um, oh, yes. and your family home and so on being involved in that could you tell us a little bit about that and perhaps read us that lovely poem that's at the very start of your new collection which oh, I think Lord is in connection oh yes yeah, yeah. well uh, I, I kind of thought that maybe through the previous collections I had written out <laughs> all, all, all my you know <laughs> memories of, of childhood and so on back in I lived in a small farm in near Bird Hill in County Tipperary and uh, behind the farm was a quarry, a big um, limestone quarry, which had been quarried back in the, I think just before I was born, in the, late, in the 40s, and then left. And uh, the quarry face, or the floor of the quarry was used as a kind of a storage area for the local county council for chippings and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So um, <clears throat> anyway, um, in the early years of this century, when the M7 motorway was being projected, uh, it turned out that our farm was banging the track of the of the of the proposed motorway. So my younger brother was farming at the time, and uh, the, eventually, the not just the space for the motorway was actually commandeered, but the whole, virtually the whole farm. I think it, it, it suited them because the, the, the quarry, the stone in the quarry, was going to be vital for yes for road construction as well so the, the whole thing was taken over so I wrote uh, a number of poems about that one called uh, I can't think of the title <laughs> the title of it now but basically uh, I was looking at it from the point of view of um, <coughs> being having lived kind of on underground you know beneath or having lived above mm-hmm. this this motorway you know which was now it's almost like uh, going back into the underworld you know when I, when, I, when I go back onto that motorway and I'm driving 30 or 40 feet beneath the levels of the the, the fields where I once yeah <laughs> so I did a, a I wrote quite a bit about about that and uh, I wrote another poem actually in the last collection where I kind of linked our farm with the twin towers, you know, where the the, the, the wire walker had walked across yes. from one tower to the next. And of course, if he were to do it now, he would be walking in, 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 in air or nothing. And I also linked it to the Ballymun Towers in Dublin, you know, and this kind of vanished landscapes, this kind of vanished heights. And so, um, uh, anyway, I, I thought that I had kind of written all that was to be written, but the first section of this book is, is again, mainly memoir poems, going back to childhood, uh, youth, and early adulthood. 
and then I move away from it after that. But um, I started with a, a poem called uh, a lot of my local place names feature Tuknakon, Kulin. So I started with with a poem about Tuknakon, and it's a memory of setting fire to furze bushes or what are called what are the twin bushes somewhere the twin bushes up north and gorse in the more yeah. <laughs> refined areas <laughs> so uh, I, I remember yeah, my father used to, we, we had an awful lot of forest bushes on on the side of the slopes of the hill where we lived and uh, sometimes he'd burn them off and he, he knew of course how, how to burn them and, and how to and when use the wind and so on yeah, yeah. but I remember one time with a, a young friend of mine we got a a taste for the whole experience of burning and we set, we set fire to a massive <coughs> forest anyway you know uh, which which was didn't go down too well I think we burned some fencing and <laughs> as well. so anyway I, that, that, that was the memory I have here and it, all, it also ties in with the the, the, the the transformation the vanishing of the the farm so uh, it's okay I will read that please story. do yeah. yeah so it's the first poem in the collection on Tuknakon on Tuknakon I struck a match under a grove of rampant firs to feel a primal force unloose, to hear the scratch and rasp and crackle, to breathe the perfumed woodburn scent and watch the flaring, flaming waves, smoke plumes billowing in the sultry air towards Peddler's Hill and Anaholti, to sense an adult electricity pulsing through the fingers of a boy. Today, what's left of Tuknakon is quarried lake and wilderness, a colony of resurgent firs, all matchless green and blazing gold above a roaring motorway. Oh, that's really uh, lovely. Yeah. Very evocative, too, with yeah. the place names. Yeah, actually, they, they were <clears throat> when they quarried, they went back into the old quarry face and went way down and quarried deep beneath it. So what's there at the moment is actually a considerable pond, a lake, actually, kind of a deep lake. And I have a feeling it's being used for fishing or for the the um, ESP or whatever, it stocks fish or whatever in it. And uh, I went back to look at, at it one time and, uh, and managed to climb my way up to the edge of the old quarry and so on and discovered a, a whole new colony of furs growing. <laughs> You weren't tempted to take out the matches, were you? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's actually a different part of the, of the, of the farm, yeah. part of the hill. But but the fur, the furs obviously keep on coming back, you know. So yeah. now, ironically, they are they are rampant above the above the motorway, you know, and yeah. having been burned so out. Yeah. The spirit of the place is still coming <laughs> it's back. It's the phoenix back, situation there, yeah. before. Michael. I know you talked about your home place and all that. Where are your roots? You mentioned the Scarif. Oh, my, oh, my roots here, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> father came from Mino, just north of Scarif, from a, fam- a big family of 16 children. Uh, actually, I think the, the first five immigrated to the United States, and uh, I've written about those, actually, in the book as well. I've uh, one, one poem about the, the ones who went to America. <clears throat> uh, my mother came from uh, Bertil, from the locality, Although her father also came down from Scarif, uh, he was a Moroni from up oh, on the Flagmount side of I Scarif. I yeah. know the Shion, or I'm not sure. It's sure there. Those couple of families yeah. there, Shion. Uh, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. So, so yeah. I, I have Very Scarif roots yeah. on, on both sides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So My mother's uh, 
mother was the only person, I suppose, who was genuinely Tipperary from, from, my, from my antecedents. So. I want to come to Hurley now. Who would you shout for? Uh, yeah, ironically, I, I always supported Claire. I think, I think part <laughs> for the influence of my father, and I think also the underdog notion, like because yes, yeah, and and it was against my own interests because in the fifties and well, especially in the early sixties, Tipperary had a powerful team, they were winning all Ireland's, yes, and it would have suited me to to be on the winning side, but but I, I suppose through my father's influence, I, I always had this kind of attachment to Claire. Um, and of course, then along comes the ni- in the nineteen nineties. <laughs> yes, you get yes. The, you get this flipping of the of the order of things. But um. well, coming back to the uh, collection, the deluge of words, Mike. It's going to be launched in Limerick next Friday. I think that's the seventh of April. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be at six thirty. And the venue is a little bit unusual for me. It's the it's the People's, People's Museum, Museum in Perry Square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's the restored Georgian house, isn't it? Next it's, door it, it, to it the is, hotel. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh-huh. it's, I think I think there's a hotel. The number one Perry Square is, is a small hotel. I think, and, and yeah. this is next door to it. Yeah, it's a magnificent room. Actually, I was there for um, during the Griefa's reading in the um, recently in Limerick. For some reason. Oh, was that was that in number one or? or, or it was actually in number two in the People's Museum. So I'm just realising oh, yeah, that's yeah, the same yeah. venue. So yeah, the Limerick Writers Centre. have been they've been using it for the last couple of years. Well, even even before the the uh, the lockdowns, they had adopted it as the centre for readings for the monthly on the nail readings and so on. Um, it's at seven thirty actually on Friday ah, on Friday evening and uh, no my my previous launches had been in Ballina in the uh, the key arts now called the Bridge mm-hmm. uh, Gallery and Arts Centre or whatever uh, but uh, <coughs> Dominic Taylor the uh, director of the Limerick Writers Centre I think decided that he would incorporate four book launches into this year's uh, April is Poetry Month programme. Mm-hmm. So he decided to stage all of the launches in the People's Museum. So he's got a busy, busy programme lined up uh, starting on Wednesday next for a set of readings and running right through. Yeah, because April is Poetry Month yeah. in Limerick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and only in Limerick. Does that extend it there? Oh, well, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I think it's Poetry Month in yeah. other places too. And I know there's a... I'm, I'm a bit confused about Poetry Day. Is, is there, yeah. I'm not sure it's Poetry... Is, is it National Poetry Day or International Poetry Day or whatever? Uh, it's either Wednesday the 26th or Thursday the 27th. I'm not sure. But bit of a move. Anyway, it's all, yeah. it's all, yeah. all happens in April. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a fairly busy programme lined up. Um, uh, on Wednesday nights, we've got uh, a series of readings. In each case, three poets. So you've got heavyweights like John Liddy and Edward O'Dwyer and... Kieran O'Driscoll, Eleanor Hooker, you know, uh, <coughs> reading on the Wednesday nights, the Friday nights are the, the launches, and there are a few other mm-hmm. activities as well. Um, Ron Carey is running a workshop, I think, and there are some walking tours of places of literary interest in Limerick, so plenty to. Well, we've given it a plug, our sister city there, <laughs> and uh, we we're delighted that you were able to take the time to come in and talk to us about your uh, collection, this deluge of words this morning, and wish you every success with it, Mike. And uh, I very much look forward myself to coming to the launch next Friday. Oh, thanks very thanks much for, for today, coming yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Tom. You're very welcome, <coughs> Mike.